previous weeks past other week. than this week's yeah and like when anything else like you know really bad is going on in my life right but all the other days Daryl, all the other days you wake up going like hey i'm today's feeling gonna be fantastic yeah yeah that's good can yeah. i tell you can i tell you a story go or do you want to tell me a story do you have a story for me buddy i got stories for days what story do you want but tell me a story come on so my life is a story your life is a story that's why yeah. i'm intrigued i'm intrigued your story is probably better than mine let me hear so i'm looking at this this property mm. and i'm I, every everything i do every number i crunch every drawing i make mm -hmm. it's like grand slam deal right and i'm like like not i'm like oh wow this is great i'm gonna hit another grand slam so yeah. soon lucky yeah. me yeah what's gonna be wrong with this thing what's gonna mm -hmm. be wrong and i'm going to my wife hey uh i don't know this thing looks too good to be true but i've said that before right and so i'm getting all excited and TK, I'm drawing like four high-rise buildings on this property. And I'm I'm getting crazy because it's already starting at like a six cap, which I mean, in years gone by would have been enough this, to just this buy market, the damn thing. In, right? in this market, that's like bare minimum. So so, but I have a plan and I'm looking at it and I'm like, forget it. Like six cap's great to start, but like wait, wait till you see what I'm gonna do with this thing. And, Oh, and I getting everybody all psyched up and, uh, and, and then, and then TK it's in the middle of a floodplain, bro. <laughs> oh, I, that just happened to me too. Oh, just yeah. disgusting. But like, but those floodplain maps though, like we're going to, the, the site that I told you about, we're fighting it. Well, see, this was my thought is like, yeah. I wonder how long it will take to fight this and to correct it. But mm -hmm. part of the correction in, in this case is to, uh, like, change the culvert under the 401. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not happening Expensive. likely in my lifetime, right? Yeah, well, yeah. but, okay, so first thought is, yeah, expensive and a lot of time and a lot of red tape, right? But then I start to think, like, Remember when Trump took over like the the skating rink in in New York, and he like just went in there and like for a fraction of the the public budget, he uh, uh, like built it, and in a fraction of the time. And I was like, like, how, I could probably organize like changing this culvert pretty quickly and pretty pretty simply without shutting down the four hundred one for too long, if, right? If anybody can do it, Daryl, it's anybody. <laughs> but but so so so, anyways, it's like. The, these are the things that I'm looking at these days because I I can't find a good deal, TK. And I'm, all the... I'm, I'm I'm halfway on the one that we've been working on, by the way. Halfway? I'm halfway. Yeah. Which one? We're working on a, a few. Uh, the corner one that no one else is working on. Oh, good. Yeah, so I'm oh. halfway. I'm just halfway. I'm not gonna. I I don't. Yeah. So I just I'm not gonna tell you until I have at least three quarters of the way or like two thirds, and then I'll be like, all right, Daryl, I'm ready yeah. to go. It's a good thing that you need a hundred percent for the assembly. So you, basically, you anything under a hundred percent, it's basically not, not a deal. But that's why I'm not calling you about it yet. Yeah, don't get me too excited because you know me. Yeah, but yeah. things are good. Things are good. Um, so I sold that house that had all the stuff in it. You did? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So it was good. 
It was like land value or somebody thinks they can actually <clears throat> salvage that place? No, it's fine. In fact, they even brought in a home inspector to look at the structural integrity of the home and it all confirmed they had an appraisal. You know, it's good. It just it just had a lot of stuff in it, really. A lot of stuff in a it. A lot of stuff in it. Yeah. So I, I was in a house once in Hogs Hollow that they wanted to do a renovation. And there's this old back split kind of bungalow, beautiful property, but there were they were 100% certifiable uh, hoarders mm-hmm. and super organized hoarders. So they had mm. so much organized stuff on so many like industrial shelves, not even shelves, like racking in some rooms to store stuff, right? But like super organized and meticulous, but books, heavy stuff, lots of books I gotta and lots here. of computers. But yeah. the, the house was caving in on itself. Yeah, That was yeah, like yeah. renovation. Like you guys need a wrecking ball. Forget a renovation. So I, I sold a house to a client, right? And there was a tenant and she was nutty the whole time during showings and all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, all right, like this What's is a nutty situation. Mean? Like she was just like, aggressive and uh, had a lot of conspiracy theories and talked in funny ways and lived in a, in a hoarder type of situation. And <clears throat> the situation with the client was there were, there were no other options for them in their price point. So this was like the only entry level that they could get into in the area that they wanted to be in. So we bought the home The sellers served their notice that they were supposed to do. The tenant ignored everything. So we assumed the tenant with the notice already been filed. We went to landlord tenant board. The tenant didn't show up. We got an eviction order. She didn't respond. The police got involved. They physically removed her from the property and all her stuff. Well, they have 72 hours to come and claim their stuff and her social workers calling us and all sorts of stuff. She's like, she doesn't have any way to get it. 72 hours goes by. I think we gave it a couple more days. She didn't come and get all her stuff there. No so we had a house full, a hoarder stuff, house right. full of things. So we get some bins and I don't know how many bins, trucks, all that stuff. We're dumping everything. And she's got all this, when you said organizing computers and all that stuff, she's got all these Rubbermaids in the basement packed and they're heavy. You know, I remember throwing up my back on these things and we're just getting rid of them and all this stuff. And I'm going through them and everything else. And she had come by the house and said a few things. What she did was she felt that they were going to, that they were deleting the information on the internet. So they were printing things, they were posting stuff on the internet, but then deleting it so that you wouldn't know that it existed. So she was printing all the pages from the internet and every page that happened, she printed and she stored it in her Rubbermaids and she, she had boxes of paper. It was heavy as rocks and these were in there. And that's what we had to move out of there was her data storage of the internet and magazines, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh I was happy. They renovated the house. It looks great today. Hopefully they didn't like ruin the structure. TK. TK, it's an exciting day. We've been trying to get today to happen for a a long time. And by we, I mean me. I have things come to those who wait. Absolutely. And we both know that patience is a virtue I have complete control over. You have a little bit of it. I have a little bit. So without further ado, this is probably our at least most followed guest of all time. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This Landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to 
make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. Like to welcome to the show, the one, the only, Mr. Steve Saretsky. What's up, buddy? You got the thank you for background going too. Look at that. Look at ne- neither one of us has actually been there, but neither one of us it. has been there. But yeah, I feel, you guys, I feel like we're missing there. out. I feel like we're missing out. Meanwhile, you're coming here soon, man. That's fucking wild. I've been to Toronto like a dozen times. I, I just I feel like it's not worth taking up a vacation on. No, in the summer it probably is. Maybe, but like I'd rather go to Mexico. Look at that! It's like we don't have anywhere else like that in Canada. You know, with a big city surrounded by mountains. I feel like I'm there right now. If you're a skier, it might be worth it in the winter. Yeah, I had an interesting skiing. I I knew how, but uh, I kept falling. I I have a good skiing story, but for another day. Let's let's uh, give a little introduction. So, Steve, thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm assuming all of our listeners already know who you are, but for they don't, for if they don't, uh, Steve's got his own channel and he's one of the hosts of the Looney Hour. Uh, we got a big special announcement today. Uh, Steve, stay is, tuned till the end of the show. Steve is, uh, you know, well followed on multiple social media platforms. We'll give him a nice plug there at the end and uh, check out his channel. Uh, link will be posted in uh, the comments. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Beauty, thanks for having me on. Mr. Today we got a special. Steve. We got a special show. Let's just talk quickly about what that is because we're going to do it at the end. Um, but we've got an extra ticket to the Looney Hour Live podcast at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Boom! We are giving it away to one of our commenters from the previous two videos, and Steve, you are going to be the one choosing the lucky winner of that ticket at the end. You of this get show. to choose from the top five list of. That's a best lot of pressure. Comments. It's a lot of pressure, and we're taking it off of, of us and putting it on you. So, <laughs> we we know you're good under pressure, Steve. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Well, let's 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 get into. I mean, you talk about the Bank of Canada a lot, and they're certainly uh, in the news once again. Uh, if if you follow your Twitter account, you you know that you are definitely. Uh, in tune with what what they're doing, or at least as in tune as someone can get, what uh, what the hell are they doing, Steve? What's going on? Um, I mean, I think I've had like central banks. It's funny. I mean, I'm obviously getting you know ragdolled. Uh, I think this year with the with the comment section, just on you know, oh, this guy said rates couldn't go up, and you know, I think so. I was I'll be the you, first the to way. to wear yeah I wear that one on my face for sure but I think like I've I think I've had these guys pretty much dialed in for the last you know since I've really been chatting about them for six or seven years now but um yeah I mean long story short is I didn't think they'd be able to get this amount of rate hikes and I don't think anybody did right I mean if we go back 12 months and ask anybody where rates would be you know a year from now nobody had this even even the big banks I think Scotia was calling for eight rate hikes this year which would have been what an overnight rate of about two, just over 2%. Yeah. So we're everybody double. thought, yeah. Quarter yeah, points, we're eight that. times. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they called inflation transitory. They called the, the housing boom transitory and they missed it. And now they're, they're trying to sort of save face. Uh, so they're trying to regain some credibility. I don't know how much credibility they actually have left personally. Um, but that's what they're trying to do. And, and I think like, I mean, you guys probably see it over in the GTA, but you know, people are like, oh, they can't raise rates. Well, 
They can, but the the collateral damage I think is going to be pretty extreme. Severe. Yeah, so I think like the housing market I still think is weaker than like these policymakers are probably aware of, and I think it just takes time, right? I mean, like we've only been in a correction for I have to remind people we've only been correcting for eight months. It's so funny that you say that because I was thinking like, man, this is going so slow. Like, what is taking so long? Like, just get it over with already. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know like home buyers are thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, prices are down. We don't stand that much. What's taking so long again, it's been eight months and like your national house price index is down 15%, which is the steepest decline on record since it was made in 2005. So it takes time. I think you guys probably know, like some of the risks that are in the system, private mortgages, people renewing at five and a half percent mortgage rates, like these are going to take time to happen and renew through the system. That's and the so, biggest issue I see coming down the pipe is people that are renewing from, you know, even a respectable 3% at like five and a quarter, five and three quarters, even maybe six something like they're going to raise again in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Right. I'm, I'm Man, seeing the so... biggest one is the private, the private side, the, the private guys, because everybody a year fucked. ago was getting 8% and now they're getting you know, 12 plus percent with, um, you know, 2% fees, 2% uh, broker. So they're just like, whoa, wait a second. And they were already vulnerable people because they were getting a private mortgage a year ago. So pretty much all of those guys are going to market now. Like they're Yeah, all- and you got a lot of people like the B- on the B side too, like the home capital groups and all that other stuff that, you know, I'm sure people when they sign up for home cap aren't, aren't planning to be there for the long haul, but yeah, pretty, pretty hard even to get if out you of wanted to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're always one, two year. The market bailed them anyways. The last little while, and that option's not there today. And the lenders don't want it. The private lenders that I'm dealing with on on all like client fronts have all said the same thing: we're not renewing. Our money's uh, allocated to a another investment, is what they're saying, because uh-huh. they're getting better Much interest better elsewhere. Than this shit. So they're like, we want it back. You know, figure it out, sell or be sold. Well, and you yeah. touched on uh, Rom span. Uh, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Man, they were so strong a couple of years ago. Like you wouldn't think that there'd be a run on them like like that. Like I don't understand. Yeah. And I mean, uh one of my one of my buddies who's in the industry, uh he he yeah, he mentioned too. He's like, he's like, take a look at it, right? He's like, they're loan they're they're landing on loan loan to value, not on loan to cost on a lot of their construction projects, right? So that's the one sort of caveat is like nobody what's the what is the loan to value in today's market what's the value so, yeah exactly so these guys are obviously you know they, they could they kind of tell oh we know we loan loan to value when we have low loan to value ratios it's like well do you yeah yeah 75 percent ltv based on yeah. uh like a dream idea exactly so i don't know i think like there's there's more dominoes i think to fall in in the new year but like I said, kind of like once it gets going, it's pretty hard. It's it's harder to stop. So I just think like again, I think for the Bank of Canada, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna have an oh shit moment, uh, you know, early parts of next year. But I, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, this is what the Bank of Canada wants. They they want house prices. No, they don't. No, they don't. These guys work for the big five Canadian banks, and your real estate with you know your mortgage, while it might might be a liability to you, that's the bank's asset. And the Bank of Canada works for the big five banks. And the big five banks, in my opinion, are the real people running the country. So, and that, and that might, and, and and that that just, I think that is just the reality of the, of the situation, which, which nobody maybe wants to believe or accept 
as the truth, but I think that is the the truth and the sure. truth hurts sometimes. Steve, you're, you're in real estate. You're, you're a real estate agent. Yeah. You're not like any other real estate agent that I normally meet, right? Like, what <laughs> is it about the, the economic side? Like, what is it that, you know, got you into, you know, your channel and, and, you know, studying all these policies and stuff like that? Cause these aren't things that they're teaching in real estate school. Man, that's funny. I've heard that a few times. People are like, why are you selling real estate? I don't get it. Um, I just like, I love finance personally. I think it's like a chess game. I think like macroeconomics, you know, like these guys think about it. These guys set the price of money. Yeah. Like that's, that's the most, that's the, <laughs> like, that's like the biggest job I think in the world. And like, and if you think about it, like 90, what do you, what's your guys' guess? I'm going to say 90% of Canadians have no idea who Tiff Macklem is or what the bank of Canada even is. Yeah. Like I chat with normal people day to day. I chat with like a lot of my clients. They're just normal people. They just want to buy a house. Like they don't really know what the Bank of Canada does day to day. They don't know. So I, I just think it's really, really fascinating. I've always been kind of intrigued by like the world of finance and trying to figure out like sort of how to maximize your investments and build wealth. And And I think like you have to kind of know really how money is created and who's responsible for sort of pulling on the levers. So yeah, I've just been always fascinated. Um, that's your passion. And this is something yeah, that you've just cool. been committed Isn't it kind of crazy though, that there is this mechanism in the marketplace. That's crazy. Right. I mean, right? like, <laughs> like you, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, like when I got into the housing market originally, like back, I mean, this is year coming up year nine for me. Um, you know, trying, I was a young guy and I was just trying to figure out like what, what made real estate prices tick. And, and, you know, you just kind of go down the rabbit hole and, and I'm a big sort of self-taught person. I like to read books and buy subscriptions and just learn from smart people. And yeah, you just look at uh, interest rates and see the, how they influence like the largest people's largest asset class. Right. I mean, yeah. how many Canadians, I mean, that's the, everyone like the, the, the wealth story in Canada is, buy your primary residence, pay it off. And then one day you, you sell it and downsize and that's your retirement. That's your nest egg. Like, so you have like one asset that is like responsible for your, you know, your kids uh, become inherited millionaires. The empire. Yeah. 40 the years empire. later. Yeah. And, and what about get lazy? YouTube, what about the YouTube side, Steve? So like, how did the YouTube journey go with you? Like, I mean, you've, you've been on YouTube for a while now. You've been talking about this. When did you shift from like local Vancouver market reports to like national housing policies and, and Bank of Canada updates? Yeah, maybe I was, I was a little bit more micro to begin with Vancouver. I just figured like the channel was kind of expanding. Like you could see people in the comments, like from Toronto and from different parts of Canada. And I think like, it was just important to sort of get out of that. Like I kind of wanted to be bigger than just Vancouver as well. Like I didn't like, I don't know. It's just, there's only so much to talk about. And you're only talking about like your one like city. It's like, I don't know. It's not that to me, like I said, like I love macro, yeah, especially so. if you like macroeconomics, like sticking to one city is going to be pretty. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It kind of kills you inside. Like, you know, you, you got to look at how the, the world is moving. Right. And like, so like, what's the fed doing? I mean, they, they drive, really central bank policy around the world. So, you know, if you're only talking about Vancouver, you're kind of missing, you're missing the forest for the trees. So, so how did you even like, like, I know I got into macroeconomics by accident because I got killed by them back in 2008, 2009, when I wasn't paying attention to them because 
I think the guys who were paying attention saw all the signals and did what they were supposed to do. I like to think that I behaved that way this time because of last time. But like, how did you know to get into the idea of macro? Like, where did you take it in school or something? No, I just, uh, you know, it's funny when you said that I heard actually I've, I've had quite a few conversations with like other people over the years and they told me the exact same thing. They're like, I got interested in macro when I got obliterated. In Lock, pummeled, bro. Pummeled. Yeah. And like a lot of these guys are like, you know, big real estate guys, uh, you know, uh, mining guys, you know, stuff like that. So it's really, it's always fun. It's funny. Right. So, um, no, I don't know, man. I just like literally like one of like my gateway drug was like, I was like one of the early guys in like real vision, which is like, like I subscribed to real vision back in the day. It was expensive back then. They've lowered the prices like dramatically, but I was just like, you know, you're sitting down, you're watching like interviews with like Grant Williams and like Kyle Bass. And like, I don't know. It was just like, like I said, it's kind of like this chess game. And so I always found it was interesting. Um, Mm. I just kind of started there. Honestly, it's all self-taught. So I don't try to claim to be an expert. I'm just a guy that's learning, but um, you know, I try to, I try to pay for good information, right? And you try to learn from the best. And there's, I mean, today, like you can subscribe to anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. go on like Substack and there's like, you know, like Doomberg, like he puts out a thing for 20 bucks a month or something, or like, yeah, Real Vision's like 200 bucks a year. And you can, I don't know, there's just so much good content you can learn. Like you can go on, you know, what's crazy is like you can go on Twitter. And there's like some of the best like portfolio managers, hedge fund guys, people that have been like the most respected people in the industry for the last yeah. like 30 years. You can just like follow them for free, read all of their information, all the charts they post for free, reply to them. They'll reply back to you. Yeah. And it's free. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, I've met some unbelievable contacts through Twitter. That's for sure. I've yeah. also like definitely got more gray hair and lost a few hairs <laughs> over being on Twitter. Oh yeah, you're telling me. It's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous place. But, but listen, it seems more- like you've got the the skin that's thick enough because you're obviously continuing to do it. And we know from our little channel the type of comments we get, and we, you know you're getting more views, more comments for a longer period of time. So you've been able to deal with that well enough to to carry on the message and and follow your passion still. Yeah, I mean, I think like people people just like you know you can be like the best person on like social media you can have like the best well intentions and people always are going to hate you so when i i don't know some of the people I'll, like i'll okay just give you an example um pick like uh tony robbins for example mm-hmm. okay so like i think he's set out his life to like help people be better like that like yeah. you know helps people their mind yeah, like I think he has a genuinely good heart. Does he make a lot of money? Yeah, sure. Like, but he's providing value and he makes a lot of money. You can still go in some of like his comments and stuff, like on his social channels, and people are like, this guy's an idiot. This guy's a scammer. This guy's oh, a yeah, scumbag. Everybody. Oh, yeah. And you're like, man, hmm. if this guy's going to get it, like it doesn't matter who you are, like you're going to get hate comments. It's just the nature of social media. For yeah. sure. And, and what's the uh, backstory on the Looney Hour? Was that an idea you had for a while or is that just sort of like uh, us starting a podcast this during, the po- together, during the yeah. pandemic? No, yeah. so that's actually, well, okay. So you guys would keep <clears> talking <throat> about like macro and all the other stuff. And, you know, like I said, I, I, like I, 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 I like macro. I think macro, I think I have a decent understanding, but I'm certainly not an expert. And so, you know, it was always interesting. Like I, you know, cause I've done a couple 
interviews for Real Vision, and some of them were with, with Keith Dicker, who's the co-host. And so Keith and I are like, hey, man, like, and I've, oh. I've actually been reading his macro newsletters for like the last five years because he puts out like one a quarter or something. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, we should like do more of these interviews. And and so him and I would decide to start like this, like a Canadian focused kind of podcast. And then like Rich just like randomly reached out and was like, hey, guys, like, can I jo- join your podcast? And it was like awkward. We didn't really want to say no. Like <laughs> nobody wanted to say no. And, um, yeah, we're happy that we brought him on obviously. Cause he's been like that, that I think important third piece that really makes like the banter. Yeah. And he's a smart dude. Yeah. Didn't he smart move dude. away from, is he, is he no longer in Canada? Well, yeah, he was working for like a hedge fund in the UK and then he moved to Canada, uh, for like a relationship here. So he started up his own shop. Cause obviously in Canada, like it's not really in the land of economic opportunity. So you know, it's not as much hedge fund jobs in Canada as are in, in London, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started up his own boutique research firm, and now he's actually just moved back to London. Um, I think he's gonna get back in the hedge fund game. So, well, and now he's coming to Toronto on the second. Yeah, and then Look Keith's obviously been running a portfolio for I don't know twenty plus years. He's got a you know runs a hedge fund as well. So, you know, guys that are actually like in that space day to day, I think they provide like a different perspective than myself, who I think my expertise day to day is, is really in real estate and macro is obviously just like a hobby of mine. Nice. So what, so what's going on right now? Federal government, we got like an anti-flipping tax. We've got like uh foreign buyers ban. We've got, uh, they just you know, lifted like a strata rental baloney yeah, out there. What's that? All you guys about? want to talk about that? I think it was actually an important piece. Cause so I sure. only reason why I say that is because I know it's like a Toronto show, but you guys, it t- seems to me like Ontario follows BC. No, we yes. test things. We were talking about that on the BC tests it for us. And then we go, you know what? Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. And we tested it, it works or not. Yeah. We follow suit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Anyway, so the premier David Eby, I think he's, I, I, I like him personally. I mean, um, but I mean, I'm not a huge NDP guy, but I think David Eby is, is a, is a good guy. And, uh, he, so he's come out and he's removed all rental restrictions in, stratas in bc so like doesn't matter what your bylaws said we are now removing that we want to free up more rental supply because you know rents are up double digits this year and we're sub one percent vacancy whatever the big thing here that the media has missed or hasn't talked on is and i think ontario's similar okay so i know you guys have an empty homes tax so in the city of Vancouver, we have an empty homes tax. And then in the province of BC, we have a speculation tax. And that speculation tax is basically the same as the empty homes tax. It's just spread out across all of BC. So the empty homes tax in Vancouver is 3% per year if you leave your home vacant. And the BC speculation is 2% if you're a foreigner. So if you're a foreigner that owns real estate here and you don't utilize your property, you're paying 5% a year. Huge. Mm. Now... When people go to make their annual declaration to the city of Vancouver and then to the BC government to say, hey, guys, I do not, I don't have to pay the BC speculation tax. Yeah, I've got a vacation property here, uh, but my strata restricts the rentals. It's, you know, they're maxed out. So, you know, I don't rent it out and I I use my condo one month of the year. BC government says, okay, no problem. Yeah, we get it. You got a rental restriction. Now that you've removed all of those rental restrictions, 
it's going to create a scenario where people that normally would have checked the box to say I'm exempt because no longer have that option. So you will see, I think, quite a few people that will be forced to sell um, because they don't want to pay 5% a year. Uh, so there'll be some some inventory that comes to market. I think that's the big story because I think, and there's going to be, I think, quite a bit of locals that are going to get caught off guard as they always do because they don't pay attention to these things. When they go next year to pay for their empty homes tax and make a declaration, they're going to get hit with a huge tax. Interesting. I mean, and is so that are these the vacant just... homes tax on its own? Is that something that's been effective? Like, is there any data on that, on how much revenue has been collected? Uh, I mean, I don't have the data on the top of my head. I remember writing about it, but the long story, like the long, or I guess the short answer is it's freed up some rental housing for sure. I was um, going to say, aren't people going to rent their, their houses more now? Yeah. Like you'd see like, okay, so like, you know, $4 million house on the West side, maybe, oh. you know, more of a foreign owner that doesn't really live here. Parkinson's like dough would, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what they would do is they would like, like the big part of the house would be empty, but they would rent out like a one bedroom basement suite to like some like student just, and the student would basically pay like low rent and they basically would just watch the house for free. Cut the grass. Cut the maybe, grass. Maybe. Pretend. Pays the Wi-Fi bell. Yeah. That's so for that, sure. That, that, so like, yeah, I mean, so in that essence, like, I mean, they did free up a basement suite. So I guess that helped the rental stock a bit, but you know, in reality, it's like, they're making all these like tweaks kind of around the fringes, but in like in reality, like nothing has changed. Like rents still went up, you know, there's still sub 1% vacancy rate. Like it's still, if you're a prospective tenant, it's still really hard to find a place. So, but if you own a place that you leave empty for 11 months out of the year, is this 5% really changing things? I think on a million bucks, it's 50 grand a year. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a factor. I mean, whether it's a big factor or not. Um, I know that 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 argument that Daryl made is like if they're already negative cash flowing or they're, you know, they're already having this much expense or, or whatever, so, what's what's one percent more? But five percent is significant. Five percent is significant. Sure. Uh, and I know, I know I can tell you, like you know, I don't really work with like many foreign investors. It's not really I mean, I speak English, so I I just I don't have that ability. Um <laughs> I know for sure it's deterred people. They're like, I want to put money in Vancouver. I like it. I want to park it here. It seems like a great store of value. But then they, they you're like, okay, well, oh, you don't want to be a landlord. You just want to utilize this property like every so often. Like it, it definitely has deterred some people. So go to Ontario again. Is that the answer? Like, wasn't that the answer in 2000? What was it? 17? No. Go to Toronto? Well, the, go to the Ontario? Big, the big I mean? sort of thing that I, the, kind of, I think people get caught up and I get, maybe people don't care. I, I think that if you're, you know, a BC taxpayer here, you're paying taxes and like we've seen, we're going to see people with like vacation properties. So like you live in the city of Vancouver and you have, I don't know, a home on the lake hour from here, two hours from here. Cause they just expanded the speculation tax. Like I think one of them is like, um, um, couch and lake. So that's like on the Vancouver Island. Um, like obviously you buy on couch and lake to like not live there year round. Like, and you're not going to rent it out. Like it's a vacation home. It's for you and your family to go and enjoy, you know, three months out of the year. And, uh, so like that would now be subject to like that speculation tax. So I think the government says, well, even if you're a BC taxpayer, um, 
and you know you're kind of doing everything above board legally well you own property in lake couch and it's only being used three months out of the year not six months like we want it to be you should be renting it out or you can pay i think they're i think that for bc residents like half a percent a year yeah, so that was more like details. a cash grab to me. Yeah, I think it's a cash to grab to me. That to yeah. me that I think I think that's I think that is wrong. That's personally. an easy one though. That's easy. What are they gonna do? They're not even in the country. Most of them, anyways. They just own a second house here for their students who have a condo down in. Vancouver, oh no! But yeah, right? I'm saying like if you're like a just local... a normal person that has yeah, a cottage. Local. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. So like some people, some of these guys bought these like 20 years ago, right? There's like, oh, family cottage, like, you know, and and like, so, so a lot of those are going to be subject to the speculation tax. I think that's wrong. It's like more so than the property spe- tax. Speculation tax. You're telling me these people are speculators. They bought this, they bought a cottage 20 years ago mm-hmm. for the kids to use in the summer. Like, I don't know if I wouldn't call you a speculator. So I don't know. I mean, it's classic politics, right? Like it is what it is. I, I find more and more evidence of um, policy being made by people that just don't think things through all the way. Like, and I don't think it takes real genius to really see some of the outcomes that are possible from some of this stuff. But it's like, it's just mind blowing because the effort to get these things through is like, they're no easy feats to get these stupid policies through Right, like yeah, it's yeah. Not like one guy they, just signed something. They change. They change the rules. Like in the seventies, they had a speculation tax, right, where you actually had to pay a tax based on your use of the property. Now the anti-flipping is like, okay, when you sell the property, you're going to be taxed as business income on on all your gains and stuff like that. I think the only taxes that stay, from my experience, are ones that target foreigners. Anything that's local, it's a political, it's an election issue. People have vote on those things. So someone will run on the platform of, we'll get rid of the speculation tax. And then that will have to be removed once governments change. But the foreigners, that's it's always, it's the easy target, right? Like, oh, it's the foreigner's fault. Like, And so I, I don't think that these non-resident speculations tax are going to go anywhere. But I think that any, anything that affects locals, I, I believe would be temporary. So let's, uh, let's, let's do a recap. So we talked about macro to start the show. So just to give you an example. So in, in here where I am, and you guys are similar, we've got city of Vancouver, empty homes tax, BC government speculation tax. Uh, we got a, a school tax. We've got huge property transfer taxes. Um, we've got basically a restriction on Airbnbs. Those are essentially not allowed. Um, there's so much government policy red tape, and yet house prices continue basically, you know, over the last three years, four years, you got a foreign buyer's tax. They basically can't buy real estate here. And then in 2023, you're going to have a foreign buyer ban. Um, we brought in so many policies and yet house prices have still ripped and rents are still ripping. Um, so it's like, again, and then you look at the macro, it's like, well, you know, we lowered rates to one and a half percent. You know, mortgage rates got down to one and a half percent. The banks created a whole bunch of credit. And flooded the system with a whole bunch of money and and house prices, you know, in parts of and people Vancouver, parts of BC, Toronto, like the, I mean, they they've doubled in four years in some of these markets. Mm-hmm. Well, so and, it's like, and- I don't know, are these policies working. Like I said, I think you're working around the fringes, but at the end of the day, it's like macro trumps all, and the macro is people want to park capital here, capital flows where it wants to flow, and and if you drop rates to zero. Money's going to go where it seeks a return, and that's it was into housing. 
Well, and prices so, are dependent on the supply of money. However much money's out there, prices will continue to go up. We restrict that, prices will come down. And it's like we got eight months of evidence now to show that. Right. And so now, okay, so you tweeted the other day that the Bank of Canada says 50% of all variable rate mortgages with fixed payments have reached their trigger rate. This represents 30% of all mortgages outstanding. So so let, like, let's talk about that for a bit because I think 13%. That, yeah, 13%. Yeah. yeah, 13%. So is this a factor? Is this a big thing that's coming? Is this going to be a problem? Or is this I think just... Deja, Desjardins put out a report that said anyone that basically took out a variable fixed payment mortgage during the pandemic is all of them have hit their trigger rate. So, you know, however you want to slice it, yeah, there's like a huge cohort of people. I think like this is more just like when we talk about it takes time, I mean, people, some people have only just hit their trigger rate in the last like month or two. And that trigger might only be, okay, let's just increase your payment by, you know, $150 a month, probably manageable. Um, it's more like, okay, what happens in renewal in three years? And they've got this like large balance because no, nothing's been, been paid down. It's an interest only loan. So I, I just think, and there's, yeah, I know there's been people that have been triggered. Now it's like an extra $500 a month, depending on your bank, right? So, I, and you, you know, you can pay $500 a month, but you're probably going to start cutting somewhere else. You know, you might not go to the sports game. You might not go out for dinner at the restaurant. So I just think like all these things, when you have more and more of your money being serviced, you know, you being used to service debt payments. I mean, it just it takes away from additional consumer spending elsewhere in the economy. So that's going to take time, right? Again, it's been eight months. Um, but I think people are cutting. I definitely feel like things are getting tighter everywhere. I found I found that movie. Remember there was that Jennifer Lopez movie where they were talking about the strip club and the girls knew the recession was coming. We Daryl, you should go and do some investigative journalism and find out if people are still spending money. That would be this that would be the place to find out. That would, I mean, that could be a leading indicator, I suppose. Yeah. Is that is that something that people still find the money for regardless? I, I think like I, there's I things that so. people, people still see. I'm seeing restaurants money for, full. I'm seeing restaurants full. I'm seeing movie theaters are, full. I'm seeing they're still airplane, smoking cigarettes, full. drinking beers. Like people no. find money for certain things. It's funny, the right? Looney, the Looney Hours sold out. Uh, sold out in yeah. a week. Yeah. People, people yeah, like, something doesn't add up here. People are going, right? People are going. But so. there's still money out there. There's no doubt. And there's still a lot of people that are waiting to jump into this thing for the right time, which I don't know how the hell anybody could figure out. So, I, okay, sorry. Let me dial back for one sec because you said you could pay for all these things. And I'm a guy too. I pay for all these opinions and I pay for all these reports and I pay for all this stuff. Is it more confusing? Is it less confusing? Like, what the, like there's so many factors right now. Like you have trigger rates and you have wars and you have governments like spending money while we're trying to rein in inflation. And, and, and you have unemployment, like not even really moving, even though they're really trying hard to crush it. Like what all this info that we have out here from all these great people giving it away for free. Do you feel like you have like any like idea yeah. of what's going on right now or i mean coming? i think the short answer is not really i mean not I really <laughs> you know i don't think i don't Who think anybody yeah i hate when like you know you go on twitter and like you know youtube or whatever and everyone's like everybody knows they know the answer it's inflation certainty yeah 
it's a, the certainty around like house prices will drop 41 and a half percent and inflation's going to 10 percent mortgage rates are going to nine percent i know like and they know with certainty it's like like you said about all these reports the smartest people in the room in the finance world are some of them they're, they're arguing back and forth about what inflation is going to be next month are we going into a deflationary period right like there there's brilliant brilliant arguments to be made from both sides and and i think the answer is nobody really knows only in hindsight do we know what the answer is i i think there's a i think personally there's a very compelling argument to be made that we're we're still in you know elements of a deflationary environment which is like you still have a lot of debt you still got really shitty demographics um those are all your deflationary arguments pre-pandemic and yeah, we're, you know, changing supply chains and technology. governments printing money and yeah, technology is deflationary. So like, I don't know. I, and I look at like all these crushing, uh, you know, debt payments around the world, not just in Canada. Like to me that, that seems def- like if we're talking about a recession, that seems deflationary to me. So, so, so I like the reports, Daryl. I think, I think just hearing, I like the, them too. I'm not, I, I listen, you know, I spend just, a lot of money on that shit and I'm getting, just getting the info and hearing these opinions. And like, I want to yeah. hear the biggest bears and I want to hear the biggest bull. I just yeah. want to hear what everyone has to say. Cause I think it just, it gives me more information. Right. But yeah, it's pretty obvious that when all the smartest people that you trust nobody are saying different clear. things. Yeah. Nobody like, has all right. a fucking no clue right going now. On. Well, look at know? like, look at like, uh, I always look at like a guy, like I, I like him personally. I think he's been wrong a lot. Does it mean he's a stupid person? No, but like, True. you know, David Rosenberg. Sure. He's been wrong a lot. He's been wrong throughout most of the pandemic, but like, I think he still makes some very, very valid arguments that like, you know, I mean, he he's a big debt deflationary guy, which is like, but this is the thing is things don't react the way they're supposed to right now. Like nothing works the way it's supposed to. And then when things kind of look like maybe you have an idea of where things might go, Boom, war, big war, like yeah. crazy war and pipelines exploding. NATO's involved, NATO's not involved. And NATO's involved, NATO's not involved. Who can factor oh. these kind of things in? And then what's next? Like Taiwan is at war. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, no microchips for 10 years. Like figure that one out now. Have, well, try watching your YouTube <laughs> videos about all this shit when no one can get a computer or a phone yeah. or a microchip. Well, I mean, biased ones. Right? Just, that's the thing, right? So I uh, think, um, you know, it's crazy. So... I was I was like laugh. I, I I like the haters. I mean, some you know you you know it tells you you're probably on the right track. But you know it, it's like I think uh, you know the beginning of the year it was like it was like the end of maybe it was like I think it was at the end of last year, and it was like Scotia came out with like the rate call like eight hikes, and I was like that's a joke. That's never gonna happen. Um, and it was like two months later in February, like war in Ukraine like fully happened, and like you know oil shut off to like all of Europe. And it's like, okay, well, did anyone really have that on their bingo card? Come on, let's be honest. Right. Like, like how? Yeah. But then the Suez Canal. Too. Like who can hmm. call this shit? Right? Like look at but dude, the Fed, the Fed, the US Federal Reserve at the end in December of 2021, they put out like their 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 rate, their dot plots, which is like where they think interest rates are going to be. A year from now so like the, the the u.s fed i think had a, their dot plots at like they had the overnight rate at like one one or one and a half percent by year end so they were basically calling for like four four or five rate hikes mm-hmm. they, they lied did, 
they and lied. how many how many economists do those guys have employed? What's their payroll to try to yeah. like model where rates are going to be 12 months from now? And like it's they were wildly wrong. So it's but like it's not, I don't whatever know. they're getting paid. They got one one lever, one dial, right? So it's like they're not going like this and going like, okay, maybe a little bit like this and maybe like, okay, back a little this way. And oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they're going like fucking crank this thing and then yeah. shut it off and then like crank this thing. It, it's not going to work out well for any of us, is it? Like Bank this of is, Canada, man. Or, but now we got digital currencies in the States. Like that actually is a thing right now, right? Like it just started last week or just got announced. Canada's next. We know that there's a digital, uh, what do you call it? Digital one. Juwan, Juan, Juan, <laughs> whatever the hell that thing's called. But that thing is uh, like, like a, like a, like a coin now or some kind of a, nft or whatever the fuck like what the hell man like th- i i just can't figure out anything right now i feel like just so confused about what to do next it's like what kind of asset class do you invest in right now well everything everyone's like ah, you know all these geniuses that have it like completely figured out they know exactly what's going to happen like Look at Tesla and Bitcoin for God's there's nowhere, sake. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide, right? Like crypto has been decimated. Uh, your 60-40 portfolio is having, having the worst performance in like 100 years, um, which is like what everybody's basically in. Um, you know, uh, what else? Real estate's down. Bon- you know, everything's down. Pension funds are in like uh, is, is there ever a time just not C. to buy anything? Like, is that ever, no. like, you know, is that, is, but, but everyone always has to have a, a reason or something to buy, you know, it's always like, no, now, now you got to get in here. And in hindsight, there always is something to buy. But look yeah, at our original... yeah, you should have bought, you should have bought us dollars. It's like, okay, sure. Like in hindsight, great. But like, nobody was like, nobody 12 months ago was like liquidating everything they had and putting it all into us dollars. Like nobody right. was doing that. Okay. Maybe one guy in like, you know, maybe okay. if. Yeah. <laughs> come on like but hold on you know, it, it's, been a, it's been a tough year i think for 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 anyone that's been trying to sort of grow and protect their wealth well it's been tough if you worked at the boc like didn't they just get bonuses of 18 million dollars or something while they also announced that they've lost money for the first time ever yeah and they're telling uh all the unions to not give people raises but who pays <laughs> for that 18 million like does it causes somehow... inflation but doesn't Don't it do somehow it. come from us it's basically like an accounting trick though right so it's like they're owned basically by the taxpayer so like they they go into like a net loss and then like like so do you know for example like um every year like if they're making revenues those revenues actually get paid back to the federal government so it's kind of just like this accounting trick where like the money just kind of like goes around how do, how do they make up for those losses then like i remember i read about it one time so if they if they honestly because they're supposed to have a zero balance sheet right so where does that money come from yeah so i think i was re- i was watching an interview with tiff and he's like well you, you can basically like do an accounting trick to like defer it like defer it down the road until yeah, you get like revenue but and they buy them up for cheap and then they wait to sell them off until when they're worth a little more no and then well, yeah, but then obviously because like rates have been going up, right? Which the the value of the the bonds are obviously falling in in unison. So, um, hence hence the loss in their balance sheet. But I, I don't know. It's like who's checking their books? You know what I mean? Like, like look at look at like the Bank of Japan, man. They own like half the government bond market, and like 
I don't know. It's just, it's still just kind of trucking trip. along. And, and, yeah, and nobody, yeah, nobody's saying a word, right? So what's to prevent them from one day owning like the entire government bond market and then just saying, okay, you guys don't owe us. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an accounting trick. It's, it's yeah. a central so, but bank. At some Smoke point, mirrors. at some point, like there has to be a day where things come to roost, doesn't there? Like, can we continue like just continue this shell game for, I mean, I kind of see, I mean, well, they've been doing it for a while, but now it's getting like really big. Like it was like, I mean, it's more of like an, it's more of a confidence thing, right? That's all central banks are. It's just like people, like, what's the currency isn't really backed by anything. Right. So, but how do you have confidence when they're fucking trying to kill everybody? Right. But well, it's I easy mean, to I... keep the confidence. I mean, just, God, if they only raised it like the way we all thought that they should have, like a quarter point eight times over 12 months, like it'd be not so bad or crazy. Or so so there are people out there, and I'm not in this camp, but there are people out there who are saying like, this is the end of the empires that like we know it, right? Like this is like the Roman civilization falling apart. This is like the US dollar is no longer going to be the superpower. This is like governments are all going to be collapsing, you know, yeah. because of what we've built up here. Right. But I, I feel like they they have all the rules. They have all the tools to be able to just buy themselves out of whatever situation they get into. And there's really no repercussions. Right. You, like, yeah, you just change the rules. I think like I know, people, rules. I know where people are. I know where people are coming from. Right. But it's I don't know. I think to, it's such a shitty way to live. When you're to, just like to be thinking about that all day. Yeah. Long. You're just like <laughs> yeah. stockpiling like gold bars in like your basement and like, yeah, it's all coming to an end. It's like, yeah. Ah, man like how do you like go out and like make money and like run a business and like with with that like mindset it just seems so depressing like i don't know like what do you do go like barter at the grocery store with your gold bars for a loaf of I, <laughs> teach their own man i i like i think yeah okay if you want to have some gold great go for it i've got a little bit but like people that are like actively waiting for like thinking it's imminent tough way to live Kiyosaki. Well, but listen, let's say, but let's say for argument's sake, okay, we're down 15% and we, there's people that think we might go down another 15% in the next, I don't know, six to 12 months. Uh, if we go down another 15%, like there's a lot of people, you have to go. Go for it. Oh, no. But there's a lot of people that are going to have a real tough time of it. Like, I, I keep saying, like, even the responsible people that put 35% down had a nice two and a half, three and a half percent mortgage. And now they come up on renewal at six and a half percent on their million dollar loan. It's like, how many people are going to go or how many people are even thinking now, like, shit, maybe I better sell this thing before the value goes down too much. And then TK, you brought up a good point in the in the comment section is like, what if there's no buyers for all these people that are deciding shit? Better cut bait now. Because I don't want to pay $8,000 a month for this fucking house. I had a, I called into the bank uh, yesterday. Scotiabank. Um, no, it wasn't yesterday. Um, anyways, it was a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, hey, was like, I got a variable mortgage on one of my investment properties. I was like, I think I uh, just curious, like if I can like roll that into uh, a fixed you know, like what, what, what I was like, just entertain the thought. I was like, just curious, what's a two year, what's a two year fixed mortgage? And she was like, oh, well, like we can offer you 6.13%. And I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm good. 
And she's like, and there, there was like a penalty on it too. Cause like you're converting. So you got to pay like three months interest. And I was like, and I was like, oh, I was like, well, do you think you could like waive that? Like, you know, can you waive that penalty? Like, you know, I'm a good customer whatever. And she's like, no, trust me. We try. We had someone yesterday uh, that, that did your exact same loan. You know, he, uh, he was on variable and he converted to a two-year fixed and he had like an $11,000 penalty and he locked in at 6.13. So I was like, my initial Show thought was proof. like, <laughs> yeah, but, but my initial thought was like, holy shit, like this guy clearly was in some sort of like financial panic. I, I think yeah. he, he probably panicked maybe at the highs, which was he panicked out of his variable mortgage, paid an $11,000 penalty to lock in at 6.13 <laughs> which is like the highest rate in like what 15 years like what's the variable at right now 5.5 like i think just some people That's, is that what the posted rate is is 5 5.6 right now or that makes sense uh, well the, your your prime, prime rate's 595 i believe 595 okay yeah so 55 so whatever yeah, your discount I mean. is just crazy. I mean, imagine those payments. Holy cow. I, I keep sitting here. I mean, I got to renew in 12 months. So I'm sitting here going, God damn it, 12 months. Are they going to drop enough or where are they going to end what's, up in 12 months? What's your advice, Steve? Right. So we got a lot of listeners and people are, you know, nervous about that. Right. What would you give to a advice to give to a client right now about buying and either you go variable or fixed or refinancing going variable or fixed? I think it depends on like the person's um financial situation like how much capital do you have what's your risk tolerance those are like the two big questions so it's like if you literally don't have like an additional like if variable payments go up $300 a month and like that will break you like you shouldn't be you shouldn't be floating to begin with um i think if you got more risk tolerance i would probably floated or, or, or I'd go like a one or two year fix, which is what ironically, which is what the market has been doing. If you look at originations in the last six months, they've all been going like two years. Um, Hoping that it'll be better in two years. Yeah. I just think like, I think looking at the macro is that CPI is coming down. Like it peaked, it's rolling over. It's taking time. It's, it's a lagging index. And it's coming down and the bond market's starting to sniff that out. I mean, the Canada five-year bond yield is down, what, 65 basis points over the last month? So I think it's coming down. I mean, like I said, the Bank of Canada is still going to raise rates here in December. Um, but I think they're they're near the end. And I think more importantly, uh, your your fixed payments are coming down. Did you feel like uh, when they when they only raised 50 bips last time, that like things took off a little after that? Did you feel like there was a little rush out there? TK, uh, did, did we feel that here? Or was that in my imagination? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely brought a little bit of confidence back to some buyers, but I don't think anybody, like investors came in. Huh. Like the, the property I was telling you about that I sold, I had four showings on it. Like <laughs> no one wants to buy like, investor type of you know flips or anything like that it's just it's, it's just end users out there right now who mm. absolutely need to move because they have sold already or they're you know coming into the market for the first time like so i don't think it really sparked anybody who was not going to be in the market but maybe pushed people a little bit faster um helped them with their decisions took some fear out of the market for them right yeah the question now is where rates will be next year and that's probably going to dictate where the market pricing will be so what is this next year going to look like? Just everybody kind of waiting around still? 
I think the spring market is definitely like a cohort of people that need to transact. I've got a lot of like clients that are in that situation. Like they need to transact. So I think there'll be more volume. I mean, we're at running at like what, 10 to 20 year lows, depending on the month for sales volumes. I mean, you can't, it's hard to do a whole lot worse than that. So I think volumes are going to improve. <laughs> It'll still be weak, but the volumes will improve. And I think they'll improve on lower prices. Makes sense. How much lower? I don't know. Is it a couple percent? Is it like a slow grind or is it like, you know, do we get another 10% flush next year? It's hard to say. It seems like the buying power from the buyers has directly affected the prices in Toronto. So if the buyers buying power of the buyers gone down 20%, prices went down 20%. So it's to me, it's safe to assume that if the total buying I power it... from the peak to trough is taken like 30% away because of the rate hikes, I think it's safe to say that that should be what the average price de decrease would be. I mean, that's that's what I, we're seeing. I was just saying the other day, like from a land perspective, my purchasing power has been just completely decimated because where before, you know, what I could do with $800,000 three years ago, I could buy $9 million worth of property, right? Now with $800,000, maybe I can buy like, four million dollars if i'm lucky probably not even and that is a gigantic difference when you're trying to make money and you have to split up the pie a whole bunch of ways because you have you know partners and investors so so like if i i'm not alone i mean cash is king with everybody right now right but how are any how's anybody making anything make any sense other than with a whole pile of cash right now like there's yeah. a normal house, like prices haven't come down enough v for a VTBs, 6 a lot of, mortgage. A lot of, lot of VTBs out there right now. Like almost every deal that I'm seeing, like all the commercial multifamilies are coming with or assumable mortgages. But what about just houses? Like, is that not how, happening the same thing in houses? Like everything's not tightening up. No. Because oh, prices, hmm. Well, well so in, what? in the 80s and 90s, that's like assuming the mortgage VTB, like my generation of realtors, like we never learned those things. They weren't, they weren't a big part of the deal. But back in the 80s and, and 90s, like that's what you did. You were like, you got a mortgage. Like, what are the mortgage terms? Like, I'll take over your mortgage. How much is it? 14%. Wow. By God, I'm, give it to me. Right. And so you'd learn how to do VTBs more and stuff like that. And I think that environment will will exist. And the people who are more creative will be more successful because that's so, going to be necessary. How are houses penciling out for people? Like, how's somebody going into a $1.2 million house now with 200 grand like they used to and getting a deal done? A one point two million dollar house, or a million dollar house with two hundred thousand. Like you can't even get that done anymore. That how how does the math even make sense? What's yeah, the payments, payment? just, the, the payments are the payments are so high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but but the, but the prices are not coming down like enough to actually get the market to to bottom. Or have they? No, they haven't come down enough to. No, and then we got like I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not. I've told my clients. It's like I'm not necessarily convinced that. They're going to come down to to, to 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 perfectly level off and say, okay, dollar for dollar, price comes down because like you know mm -hmm. the, the rates are always short term. Like who's to say mortgage rates next year at some point? Like who's to say maybe maybe mortgage rates next year in August of next year are three and a half percent? I don't know. That would be so yeah. nice. So maybe nice. like and everyone's like, oh, that you know, I don't I don't know. They could be they could be six percent. They could be six and a half next year. Could they could eight. be three. Yeah, I hope they're closer to three yeah, than good, eight. Like, I mean, if you if we're it's, gonna get this recession that everyone's talking about, like, oh, world's gonna collapse, we're gonna get this recession. I mean, yields are gonna be going lower. 
didn't it feel like we were in a recession like four months ago already? And then now it kind of just like, it's like, hmm, malls are busy. Restaurants are busy. Uh, I don't know. I think we're in one. I think we're in one too. Christmas. I don't. Gotta get going here. Wait till Christmas. Everybody's saying Black Friday was a fucking dud, wasn't it? Wasn't Black Friday a big Yeah, dud? I haven't really looked at the data, but that's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. There's I hope so. Of... I hope it was a dud. I'm getting a lot getting of the black... same prices on Wednesday. Well, yeah. I'm getting a lot of Black Friday emails still today, so yeah. I don't know what about an ben, I So Ben Ben Rabido is a good follow. He put out like a report, which I subscribe to, but like he's you know obviously like Canadian centric, looking at like the the economic like the GDP numbers that came out more recently, and he was like like a lot of like the growth was from like um, inventory builds. So basically, businesses that had like built inventories, and he's like. Yeah, look, that helps your GDP, but like, that's it's a net it's negative. Not if you don't sell yeah. it. Like it, now, yeah, it, it helps your GDP, but what if you don't sell it? Yeah, exactly. And we've but, obviously heard of all these, you know, targets and WalMarts and everyone that has too much inventory. Amazon, um, everybody, everybody, right? Amazon's laying off what ten thousand people or something. And, and, and I'm I'm having this conversation here regularly because like we we would like a new TV for the family room. And my my kids and my wife are like, you got to get it now. It's Black Friday. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure Boxing Week will be pretty <laughs> insane this year for sales. Like, because if nothing yeah. sold Black Friday, there's containers on the way for Christmas, man. Like containers on the way. And if things are slowing, look, when have you ever seen uh, November, end of November, people firing, not hiring for the Christmas season? Yeah. FedEx. Everybody. Everybody, or they're look getting out shipping, of the country. Look at uh, yeah. the shipping container rates. Like, there's a guy, I can't remember the guy's name, Craig Fuller, I think, on Twitter. He's like a shipping container guy. That's mm-hmm. all he does. He's like an analyst or whatever, but he keeps posting like, so shipping rates basically are essentially back to back pre-pandemic. to normal. Yeah. They're back pre pandemic levels. So they yeah. went like, they just exploded higher. And now they're like full round trip. Yeah, get ready for good. a bunch well, that's of that's uh, a container homes. Inflationary, you know, piece of data. I mean, that's what we want to hear, right? So we don't I, like stop hearing about supply chain issues and stuff like that are causing inflation. We want them to know exactly what it is that's uh, that's putting the CPI up. So you, we haven't yeah. even seen supply chain issues because at some point something with tai, Taiwan is going to happen. That's going <clears> to <throat> no, but it, there's with something. Will, no, but. I, Come on, there's too much at stake in this one little China island. doesn't go like, to war like that, though. Like it's like it's kind of like you know they just they just do things. They just do whatever they wants, want in their own way. Everybody wants the microchips, man. Everybody wants <laughs> control of those microchips. They're like ninety five percent come from that one little island. Like our entire our entire Western civilization is based off of that island. Like that will have ramifications in the next five to ten years. I think the states said that they're going to start doing chips. Yeah, but you know how long it takes and how much money it takes to start one of those factories up? Yeah. Good happen. luck. It'll happen. Where so we've we? got to, we've got to get to our contest giveaway. Yes. Oh. How do we want to do this? Do you want to like share a screen? I kind of do. Them? I'm going to do. Yeah, why don't you read them? <clears throat> Steve, you're going to have to listen intently here. Oh no. Okay. Me and, be me and TK will go possible. back and forth with these, okay? So you can do the first one, TK, from Alessandro C. You have it there? Yeah, just it's on my phone. So if you're still watching, all three Alessand- of you like Alessandro C. right now. Come on, you sent right. this to me, TK. So Alessandro C. His comment 
And we asked them, Steve, I said, whoever, whoever can make the funniest comment would win, but your criteria on who you choose, it's, it's, it's up to you, but that's just why oh, no. some of these came through. Okay. And he said, affordable housing. And I and I got his joke first. Time. I got his joke too. He kind right? of ruined was, it with ruining the punchline. Born, I was born on a Friday, but I wasn't born yesterday. So then he said in his reply, "That's my funny comment." All right. So there's Alessandro. He's, I he's would been take away if I was the judge, I would take away points for ruining the punchline. Well, he's in there. He made top five. He made top five. Okay. All right. And then we have Moon Kazir Rab. Moon Kazir Rab. Yeah, Ryerson economics student interested in grabbing a drink with you smart gentlemen. You got points for compliments and locational I strategy. Think, that Ryerson's right by Hockey Hall of Fame. And so most likely he'll show up. <laughs> so I think he was trying to be funny though, maybe. No, well, he's going to I Ryerson. I thought we were supposed to be funny here. I don't I don't Okay, know. it's up to you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he made the list. Okay. He made the list. Now Darnell, Darnell Beezer, he had two comments. So I'm gonna read the one first. Did you hear about the last remaining unit in the apartment building? It was last, but not least. Boom. And mm. then how does a dual agent, how does a dual agent sleep? Well, first he lies on the one side and then he lies on the other side. All right. Not feeling it. Uh, my weekend highlights consist of this podcast and Looney Hour. Would love a ticket to the live show been watching your pod and commenting since the beginning. So he got some loyalty points. That's Andrew G. That's all you got, TK. There was nothing funny in there. Well, these are the best ones. This is what I got to go with. Steve gets to choose. Rocco Opa DeSano. We have another one? Long-time listener. First-time commenting. Let's go Looney Hour at the Hockey Hall of Fame! Exclamation mark. I'm from the T-Dot. Pick me, please. P.S. Great content, as always. Gents. These don't sound funny at all, TK. This is what they are. There's four four entries and uh, two horrible. comments from one guy. Yeah. Is anybody... Hold on. All of them were humans, though? We don't have to worry about who's going to... Oh, like... this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a list. You're going to give us number one, number two, number three, because we'll give number one a certain time to claim his prize. And if he doesn't comment, then we'll go to number two. We'll I'll just scalp with... it out front. Let's see. Let's go with the affordable housing guy. Yeah. I mean, I think Alessandro he's is our winner. That was the best by a mile. He's the only oh, one that's had a, a had a, a a joke in there. So crack, we got to stick with okay. the rules are rules, two. man. If you, look two. At, if you look at it like they were actually trying to be funny, though, I mean, some a, of them were uh, funny. Re, like he's a frequent commenter. So he's, uh, number, he's been around. Number four. I think with the last guy, number four would be my number two. How does the dual uh, My weekend highlights consist well. of the podcast and Looney yeah. Hour. We'd love a ticket to the show. That's Andrew G. So Andrew G, you're number two. If Alessandro doesn't uh, confirm, you will be the next uh, one to get the call. And then, and then our third place winner, Steve? Third place is Daryl. Daryl yes. gets another ticket. I get Dar the extra ticket. Daryl, okay. Daryl, you get the extra ticket. I have lots of good comments, and some of them are funny, TK. I think that's a deserved. So like, we got two. We got two. I'm All on right. the podium. I'm You're on the, the podium. podium. Yeah, you can use that. You can use that second ticket to get a second free drink. That's right. Oh, see, intrinsic value in having the extra <laughs> ticket. Congra congratulations, Alessandro C. Uh, Steve, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, we're happy for you. You know all your success and uh, the Looney Hour live show, amazing. And if anybody. I don't know if it's on um, StubHub or you just want to wait outside and catch a glimpse of it, check it out, or at least tune in, subscribe to Steve's channel. 
and try to get tickets for the next show. Maybe it'll be at the the Rogers Center, the Scotiabank Arena, the next. Oh time. God, I don't know about that. We're uh, it's fun, man. We're having a good time, and like I said, we're you know we're we're learning as much as anyone. We're always you know I think you're, you should always be learning, and uh, yeah, we don't have all the answers, but we're just trying to you know be a be a spot to have that dialogue and hopefully have some thoughtful and entertaining conversations. Um, but yeah, no, so this has been fun too, man. I'm always learning from from both of you guys, so. Thanks, Steve. You know, TK, hey. I thought we finally got Steve Suretsky on the show. We're going to get some answers. This is what I thought coming into today. But as usual, mm -hmm. another brilliant mind stumped by the Canadian Real Estate Show. We do not know what to expect next, but we did have a good time, as usual. And but we know where to find him on December 1st to ask him more questions. Did I say second before? Is it the first? I think it's December 1st. Yeah, yeah, December 1st. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see some fans that think I'm a complete idiot there. Uh, and be, I'm sure they'll tell them. me. Yeah, they'll tell there'll me. There'll be a lot of them. I can't wait. I'm going to wear a shirt that says, I love me, it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'll <laughs> kick you either way. Don't worry about it. Thank you, Mr. Suretsky. A pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been We're, fun. Looking forward to seeing you next week, pal. Likewise.